Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you believe the gospel right, your life will be changed from the inside out. You won't be perfect, but you won't be the same. If you believe the gospel right, you won't be perfect, but you won't continue in habitual rebellion against the Lord who died for you. You can't. Why can't you? Because he lives in you. And you'll be uncomfortable when you sin. God will trouble you from the inside when you're rebelling and you won't be able to continue to do it. That's what the work of sanctification is. God comes and lives inside and you now all of a sudden are uncomfortable doing what you've always been comfortable doing. The gospel of Jesus is strong and mighty, able to withstand until eternity, despite the world trying to chip away at it with lies and discouragement. It has the power to transform believers to Christ's likeness. Pastor Bill will challenge you today to live your lives submitted to God and His Word so that you will be changed. Don't be swayed by false teachers, worldly ways, or selfish ambitions. Instead, be humbly surrendered to the truth of God's Word and work in your life. You will be eternally blessed. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 6 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. May we not be looking for the easy way out. May we be those that are going for it. Loving the Lord, loving people, being a witness for him, especially in the face of adversity and difficulty. And the last verse says, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And Paul closes his letter with uh, the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the goodness of God, the undeserved goodness of God. Uh, be with your spirit. Amen. And so this is what I want to do now. The time we have left, I want you to go back to verse seven. This whole letter, the premise of the whole book of Galatians was this, that there was a group of believers in Galatia that were being deceived. And so Paul had to write this whole letter to try to correct them. He said, who bewitched you? You guys, you guys began so well. Who, who, who got you guys to turn from the following after the truth? And so I noticed when I read that there's several three times Paul specifically says, do not be deceived. And then I thought of other times where Jesus says that some other scriptures that deal with self-deception. And I want you to just have these verses for your own benefit. And so if you're writing notes, I'm going to give you some verses to write down. But let's I want to go through these do not be deceived verses with you guys. The first one, we're going to go back to one that we already looked at. Verse seven, do not be deceived. He said, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And if you guys remember the context of this, he was talking about, you know, sharing our goods with the church or those that are ministering to us. So here's the deal. Paul says, don't be deceived in this. Don't be deceived in the thinking that you're going to sow to the flesh and, and not reap from the flesh. Don't be deceived into thinking that you can sow any kind of way you want. Some people somehow in their mind have believed that they can sow however they want. God, I'll sow my resources, my time, my energy, wherever I want, but I'm still going to expect to reap a harvest. I'm still going to have an expectation of reaping good from you. And God says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived in thinking you can sow that way. You're going to reap what you sow. On the same note, he says, don't be deceived in the thinking for those that have sown to the spirit. And that may be in serving, that may be in your giving, that may be in your, your manner of life. Don't be deceived into thinking that that won't be rewarded as well. And that was where the verse, when he says, look, you know, 
Don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season you'll reap if you don't lose heart. And so maybe you're someone that you're sowing to the spirit and you maybe you give and you share with others and you're a generous individual and you 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 sow your time, effort, resources into the things that matter for all eternity. But you don't see a whole lot of of, of results right now. Be encouraged that you might not see them now. Right. We're not even really to be looking for them now. Maybe some of us, God will let you read some things here and now. But we're really, we're really living for another reality, you guys. We're really living for heaven. And we're sowing things up ahead of us. And so rather God chooses to bless me here and now, or rather we just pour out and pour out and pour out for the rest of this life and all of our reward is waiting for us there, we, we got to be good with that. That God, But, I, but, I, but I, must, I have to do that in faith. I have to do that in faith that says, God, I believe. I believe that as I sow to the Spirit, I'm going to reap. And as I do the things you tell me to do, there, there will be a harvesting of these things whenever, whenever you say that's the thing from the time you sow a seed to the time you harvest a seed. There's a gap. We don't know what that is. And if you've been doing good for a long time and not seen it, don't lose heart. Hang in there. Hang in there. It, it's, it'll be there. So I think that one is kind of twofold. There are people that, that, that can be deceived to thinking that I'm going to do with my life what I want. I'm going to sow my time where I want to sow it. I'm going to take my resources that God gives me and I'm going to sow it all into what I want. I don't give to ministry. I don't participate in that part. of. I do what I want with my time, my, my talent, my everything. But I'm over here expecting to reap. God says, don't be deceived. You're going to reap what you're sowing. You're sowing to the flesh. You'll reap flesh, fleshly stuff, corruption. Think about this. This is what that means. Sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. When you sow to the flesh, everything that you sow in the flesh, it, it goes nowhere. Let's say I take all my resources and I, I gratify my flesh by buying things. Those things are corrupting. Amen. If I go buy a brand new car today, 10 years from now, it won't be a wonderful thing. It'll be a wonderful thing for a little while, but it won't be wonderful in 10 years. Anybody that's ever done that knows this. Um, it's, it's, it's one oh, the brand new car, shiny and glistens. See it in 10 years. Look at it then. That's why I buy old cars. So it's already old, you know, <laughs> ding my door if you want to. I won't even be mad. I, I get to act Christian with you. You know, you ding my door? That's <laughs> the 10th one. It's all good, you know. Um, don't sew it down. There's nothing wrong with having things, right? Don't let things have you. Again, some people that everything is sewn into that which is irrelevant. All my money, effort, time goes into things that are corrupting. Don't let that be you when you know better. Amen. Here's the next one. You can turn to it with me or write it down in your notes. Write down 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And again, these are uh, just the do not be deceived. These first three are all from the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. Paul says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now he gives a list. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And so Paul says here, look, there are people that are deceived into thinking that they can live a ongoing, uh, habitually sinful lifestyle and somehow inherit the kingdom of God. I believe that that has that 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 I believe that that is alive in many churches. I believe there are many people that believe because I believe the right things about God, I can live however I want. 
Because I know the truth about the gospel, now I'm free to do whatever I want. And I'm telling you, that's not how it works. And Paul says here, he says, hey, don't be deceived into thinking you can live this way. Don't be deceived into thinking that you can go on living however you want. He says, do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And someone said, who are the unrighteous? Paul said, let me explain. Let me make it clear to you. The unrighteous are those who habitually live in sin. He lists all these different things. And I want you to note the first four are all sexual. The first four all have to do with aspects of sexual sin, fornication. Um, there's idolaters, uh, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites. So it's really four of the first five dealt with that. Then he goes on to thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. None of the people that do these things are going to inherit the kingdom of God. So what do we take from that? Uh, we've all seen the scripture, I'm sure, in Matthew 7, 2021, where people show up on judgment day when it's too late to get right. And they stand before the Lord. And what do they say? They, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. And what do, they, what do they offer up to him? They say, whoa, 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 wait. Lord, you're making a mistake, Jesus. No, I, I prophesied in your name. I was a preacher. I cast out demons in your name. I had a demon casting out, yoke breaking, destroying ministry or whatever. You know, we did many. I did many wonders in your name. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness, right? He says, look, I never knew you. You've never stopped sinning. Now, interesting thing to me is Jesus didn't say that they didn't do the other things. I've always been puzzled by that. So that you mean that they're preachers and people that maybe God is, somehow there's even healings or other, other manifestations going forth that God is saying, I never knew you. And this is what I thought about, right? When Jesus sent out the disciples and he gave them power over, you know, Judas was there. He went out with them. It wasn't like, I mean, if they would have all known Judas was a fraud if Judas would have went and, and, and he couldn't cast out none. You know, they went out and demons were being, I wonder if Judas was there and God said, yeah, despite him, there'll be power upon his life. But there's no blessing for him. He doesn't know me. And so these are sobering thoughts, but they're important things because people are deceived into thinking that I can live however I want. I believe the gospel. If you believe the gospel right, your life will be changed. From the inside out. You won't be perfect, but you won't be the same. If you believe the gospel right, you won't be perfect, but you won't continue in habitual rebellion against the Lord who died for you. You can't. Why can't you? Because he lives in you. And you, you'll be uncomfortable when you sin. God will trouble you from the inside when you're rebelling and you won't be able to continue to do it. That's what the work of sanctification is. God comes and lives inside and you now all of a sudden are uncomfortable doing what you've always been comfortable doing. And what happens with the conviction of the Holy Spirit is you begin to feel about your sin the way God does. And this thing that used to be so comfortable doing now, the conviction of God is upon you and you hate it like God does. And you start saying, God, help me stop doing this thing that just doesn't please you. It bothers me now. Help me stop. And God's like, that's what I was waiting on. And the work of sanctification begins because God will help you. And God will begin to clean you up from the inside out. You won't be the same. You can't be the same. You can't go on 10 years as a Christian and, and just steady on doing the same stuff you were doing before the Lord moved in. Can't happen. And so Paul says here, hey, don't be deceived into thinking that because the worst thing that I could do as a minister is lead people into a false sense of security and you die and stand before God and I misled you. I won't do that. I rather, and I've had people mad at me. I've had people, there are people that have left this church because I told them that you can't live like that and be okay with God. And they'll find another church that says it's okay. Shame on them. Shame on that church. Shame on whoever would let you be comfortable living in open rebellion to God. They're going to be they're going to they're going to be accountable for that. 
Paul was Paul was saying, look, don't be deceived. This is an area where people are deceived. You make sure you're not deceived into believing this way. Amen. Here's another one that's really important. And I've seen it be a big hindrance to people that are really trying to get going in their walk with the Lord. Look at first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. And this is the third and final one from the mouth of the apostle Paul. First Corinthians 15, 33. It says this. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good character or good habits. Um, it's interesting that the, the, the context of this verse is with a do- is dealing with doctrine. So, you know, those that were be- not believing in the, the resurrection of Christ. And he says, hey, evil company corrupts good character. You hanging out with people that believe the wrong stuff is going to rub off on you. So Paul says, look, don't be deceived. Bad company, evil company will corrupt the good character that God has formed in you. What does that mean? It means this. There are Christians that get born again. God moves in and God's doing the work from the inside out. But you've got a lifetime of friends or family members or people that you got worldly connections with. And I'm saying I'm going to be really careful when I tell you that friends and family is the same. It doesn't matter. I've seen believers try to get going and walk with the Lord and be pulled back by family who belong to Satan. If you don't belong to the Lord, who do you belong to? I need y'all to know that. You need to know that because it, it, it becomes a big issue, right? I belong to the Lord and I'm trying to grow in my relationship with the Lord, but there are people that I have long-term commitments, relationships, love for that can begin to be a drawback. And it can be friends and it can be family. For some people, I've seen all the years I did youth ministry, I would see friends be a big hindrance for people. People get moving forward with the Lord and then they have friends. They got a lifetime of friends that don't know God. And friends are like, oh, come back out with us, man. One more time for your birthday. Well, you know, one more rah-rah. They go back out and, and, and they wonder why their, their walk starts to yo-yo. It's like, man, I, I get going with the Lord and boom, I go out with my friends. I get going with the Lord and then I'm back with the girlfriend or back with the boyfriend. I'm sinning against God again. And it's, it's hard to get going. Paul says, don't be deceived. Bad company. Bad company. Evil company corrupts good care. What's bad or evil company? Non-belie- company with non-believers. Our encounters and interactions with non-believers needs to be intentional. We're there to be a witness. Those can't be my hangout. I can't, that can't be how I hang out. Um, I got to have friends that I hang out with that are good for fellowship. People that I can, we sharpen and encourage and build each other. When I'm hanging out with non-believers, I'm hanging out with non-believers with a purpose. Uh, I'm not hanging out with you. Just We're not just chilling like that. You know, and so um, some people have a hard time with this. They think, well, you know, if, you know, if I get saved, I got to lose all my friends. What if God, what if that's what God calls you to? What if that's what God says? What if that's what he wants? What if that's the only way for you to really start walking with him in strength and power? What if that's the only way for you to be able to reach back and be a witness to them is that you break ties for a little while and get going with the Lord? Because right now you're too weak. Um, that was my reality. When I got saved, that was like, you can't hang out with no, you can't hang out no more. You can't, you know, I, all, all I have in common with my friends is sin. So God's like, then, then break ties. Break ties, go to church, get strong. Eventually, God sent me back in, in better condition to be a witness. But if I was trying to be a witness out the gate, I'd have had a 40 in my hand. I would have. I would have fallen right away. And, and, I, and I have fallen, you know, early on. When I first got saved, I tried to hang out and boop. And that's how I learned. God was like, it won't, it's not going to work. And I want to give you some other verses. So if, if that is a challenge, I want to give you some other scriptures just to, uh, just to have in your repertoire. Um, with that. And so I'm going to read them off real quick. Um, they're all verses that deal with aspects of, of fellowship and friends. And so uh, the first one is Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. And if you guys want to write that down, if, if uh, these apply, Proverbs 12, 26 says, 
The righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked will lead him astray. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Why? Because the way of the wicked will lead him astray. The next one is in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, he who walks with wise men will himself be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You become like who you walk with. He who walks with wise men, you're going to be wise. Uh, those are the companion of fools is going to be destroyed. Uh, next one, write down Amos chapter three, verse three. Amos chapter three, verse three. It says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? They can't. It's not possible. You can't walk together with someone. If I leave church today and I'm going to, you know, downtown L.A. and Pastor Clint is going to Compton, we can't go together. Somebody's going to somebody's going to end up. He's going to end up in downtown L.A. or I'm going to end up in Compton. We're not going to both get where we're going. And so two people can't walk together unless they be agreed. And so if you're trying to walk with people that aren't walking with God, it's a lot easier to pull you down than it is to pull them up. And so that's why God calls. There are times where you need to separate and get built up in your own walking relationship with the Lord. Many are deceived here. Many people, oh, no, I'm strong enough. You know, I can kind of hang out. You know, I've got this thing together. I can hang out in all the different worlds. I can hang up in all different climates. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm that person that can do it. You know better than God. You're that special one. The word don't apply to you. God said, don't be deceived. You're not that strong. And what I found is people that do that, what they end up being is very impotent in their witness when they are with non-believers. They ain't got no witness. They just kind of merge in. They become like whatever. They're like a chameleon. You just merge into whatever it is. Y'all won't drink, but I'm going to just hang out in the community while they do whatever. You know, what kind of witness are you? What good is that? Well, what do you accomplish for God when you're there? Probably nothing. So, uh, two more. And this one is more, uh, I guess the next one is more of a, an encouragement of what we should be seeking out. Uh, I guess this, this would be the last one. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 22. Paul tells Timothy, flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So flee youthful lust. He says, but I want you to pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace with others who are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. And that's what we want to be doing as believers. We want to find other people that are pursuing the Lord out of a pure heart that we can run together. Uh, they're guys that I'm running with. They ain't, they're not going to let me fall very far. They're guys that I speak to on a weekly basis. Say, How are you doing? How is your marriage? How are you doing? Never mind the ministry. How are you doing as a Christian? Are you walking? Are you doing all right? Uh, there are people that will check in with my wife. You know, there are guys here, the people that I brought in close that I fellowship with are guys that we're not going to watch each other fall all over the floor. Can't do it. You know, we're, we're invested in each other's success as believers. And so you want to surround yourself with people like that. You don't want to surround yourself with people that, you know, they would celebrate your fall. You know, all right, he's back, my guy. You know, uh, there are people that look forward. There are people that would celebrate me having a drink in my hand again. All right. That made the people I need to be chilling with. Those are people I need to be praying for and reaching out to, but that's not going to be my fellowship. Amen. So don't be deceived. Now, these last three are just um, things I want to throw out real quick. Uh, you can write down Luke 21, verse eight. Jesus said, take heed that you do not be deceived for many will come in my name saying I am he and the time is drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. You guys know recently somebody they had, it was all over the news. The Lord was supposed to be coming back. They had gave another date for it, right? 
I love every time they do that. I love just to wait for that date to come. And it's like now that now all your followers should not follow you anymore because you know it didn't. Have, we still here. Hey, Pastor Clint's laughing. There was a guy who we were talking to at a Starbucks. This guy was so convinced he knew the date of the Lord's return. He had a T-shirt. He was a very aggressive. I mean, when I say aggressive, was aggressive. You know, minister. You know, he was. You know, arguing, yelling, and you know, all riled up. He had a thing that covered his whole window in his truck that said, "The Lord's coming back on this date." You know, you need to repent. And he was. And me and Clint would try to talk to him. He was real. He's a prideful dude. And I just said, man, let's don't argue with him. We, we, we'll see him on our way to church sometime. Like, let, let's just don't get all riled up. I'm, I got to preach this morning, you know. But I remember when that day came and passed. Oh, man, I was looking for him. And, and he didn't show up at Starbucks for over a month. But he finally did. And you go talk to him. He's, well, you know, we kind of got a couple things, you know, misaligned. But we, we got a new date. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. So Jesus said, look, when that's, people start naming dates, if I give you all a date, y'all can all empty this place. Goodbye. There ain't no date. No man knows the day or the hour. We know it's soon, right? We know the seasons. We know that the time is drawing near, but nobody knows exactly when, right? We're, we're just living ready for the Lord's return. Amen? Amen? But that's a deception that's out there. So every time you see it, we ought to all just know better than that. Jesus, that's the words of Jesus. Hey, don't go after them. They're wrong. They're definitely wrong, right? Last one, and this is a, a form of self-deception. It's been said the worst deception is self-deception. And so in James 1, verse 22, he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And this is what happens. Think about that verse. Be a doer, not hearer only, deceiving yourself. There are people that because they know the word, they're deceived into thinking, that I, no, I know that, that I'm okay because I know it. There's a deception that happens when you know it, but you don't do it. You feel like you're okay because you know the word. I know what that says. I sat down in marriage counseling with people. I remember, I never forget this one guy, I sat down with his wife called, for the, this is at another church, and she brought him in and we sit down and I'm starting to go over the verses and the guy is interrupting me to, to, to quote the rest of the verse after me. In other words, he was basically saying, I already know that. I already know that. And he said at one point, he says, you're, just, you're just telling me all the stuff. I already, I already know all that. And I remember just saying, bro, if you knew it, you know it. But if you were doing it, we wouldn't be here. We're here right now because she called. I didn't call you. She called me and brought you here. We're here because she called because you're not doing this. So, so you knowing it is not helping your marriage. You knowing that you're supposed to love her like Christ loved the church is not blessing her. It's not making her feel love that you can quote the verse. But you're not doing it. And he left mad and a week later called back and he calmed down and he came and he said he was mad because I was younger than him. And I'm like, well, if you get an older pastor then, man, but you need to get that right, you know. Um, but it was, it was crazy to look at a guy that was feeling like, no, nah, I already know that. But you're not doing it. Like, you got to be doing it. That's the deception that happens. Because we're a word-based church, and we're going to be heavy in the word, and we're going to encourage you to read the word, it's imperative in a church like this that we be a people that are also committing to do what we're learning. That we don't become fat in the head, and we just, I know that verse, I know that, I know that says, but that we're people that are being transformed by the word. That's the goal of the word, amen? That as it's sown in, that it would transform us, and it would flow out of us, that our lives would be transformed by the glory of God, Amen? So we wrap up the book of Galatians today and we close on this note that God would not have us to be deceived. What's his weapon against deception? The truth. And God's truth is found in his word. 
And I just want to encourage you guys to continue to be a people that read the word, study it, fall in love with the Lord of the word, and let God's word continue to transform you into all that he wants you to be. Galatians 2.20 tells us, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Apostle Paul wrote this to show how his life had been turned upside down because of the power of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Jesus came to change lives all over the world, and he's able to change yours too. If you think your past is too terrible to forgive, that's simply not true. Just look at Paul's life. He was far down the wrong path, but an encounter with Jesus changed that. Maybe you encountered Jesus today while you were listening. Are you ready to take the next step? He's ready. We'd love to talk to you more. Would you give us a call or send us a text? You can reach us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. We'll get back in touch with you as soon as we can. You're invited to join us for church this weekend, too. We can't see you face-to-face quite yet, but we'll be live streaming our service at 9 a.m. this Sunday on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Instagram. Find out more at our website, calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, you'll be able to explore more teachings from Pastor Bill's series through the Bible. Find out all about this ministry and Calvary Chapel Inglewood. That website, one more time, is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all for today, and thanks for tuning in to A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.